I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, mini-sode number 511. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast, uh, a mini-sode. I, per usual, I'm so glad that you're here with me. And today I have an episode that I, is something that I can't get off my mind. And I went back and forth with bringing it to you because I'm like, oh, it's kind of a downer. And uh, does it really fit in with what we talk about over here? And at the end of the day, it does because we talk a lot about mental health on the podcast and partly because I think it is absolutely directly related to personal development and us living our best life. Because if our mental health is struggling, we simply can't, you know, be our own hype girl. <laughs> we can't implement the strategies and tools that we all have and use when our brains are working the stable way that we always hope that they will. And I also have my personal experiences and struggles with my own mental health that stem from my family history um, around my dad. And as, as most of you know, he passed away in 2016 and struggled his entire life with depression, sometimes debilitating at times hospitalized at times, um, and anxiety for him. So it, it, it holds a special place in, in my heart, not just selfishly for me personally, but for other people too. And of course, for all of you. So I want to talk about the Lindsay Clancy case. And I, I reached out to a couple of, of my friends and, you know, over the last few weeks, and I apologize if you can hear my dog barking in the background, the lady beast is feisty. Okay. I think I got her under control. The funny thing is, is like, she's outside. <laughs> she's just very loud. But um, 
At any rate, I reached out to a few of my few of my colleagues to ask them if they had heard about the case, and both of them were on the West Coast, and they hadn't even hadn't even heard of it. So it has not, to my knowledge, made national news, especially if you're not in the States. You probably haven't heard of it. Also, before I tell the story, this is just a, a trigger warning that this story includes attempted suicide and the harm to children. So Lindsay Clancy is a youngish mother. I believe she's in her early 30s and had three children, a daughter named Cora, who was five, a son, Dawson, who was three, and an eight-month-old named Callan. She was also a labor and delivery nurse, and her husband, I believe his name is Patrick, by all accounts, they had a happy marriage, and still he seems very devoted to her. She had been struggling with postpartum, I believe, anxiety and depression for a while, as well as some psychosis. There is some screenshots of her in a Facebook support group around these mental health challenges where she's asking about medication and talking about Ativan and how it was kind of the only thing that was helping her, and but it's highly addictive, as you heard in um, a guest we had on recently talking about that. And by all accounts from her friends, she was a devoted mother, devoted to her job and loved her children profusely, as mothers do. And she was left alone for approximately 20 minutes while her husband went to run an errand. He went to go get some takeout and I think swing by CVS to pick something up. And during that time, she strangled all three of her children killing the older two, and jumped out of the second story window of their home, um, is currently a, a paraplegic from the fall. Her youngest child passed away three days later in the hospital. That's what happened. Clearly an unimaginable tragedy. Similar to the story of Andrea Yates that happened in the early 2000s. I feel like it was 2001. And of course, this is uh, an exception, a very rare occurrence, but it does happen. And it happens to women who struggle. The, the percentage is very low, but it does happen typically with women who struggle specifically with postpartum psychosis. So I'm going to shift gears for a second and and tell you about my story. I briefly talked about it a couple of times. I'm pretty sure in the episode I did with when Gabrielle Bernstein was on the show, when we talked, she shared her stories around fairly severe postpartum anxiety, and I shared mine as well. And I've been, to be honest with you, hesitant to share it. Partly because for a long time, I didn't understand the magnitude of it. And also, to be perfectly frank, and I just realized this, I think after I shared it on that episode with with Gabby, is I still hold a little bit of shame around it. And I'll tell you why. So I, as many of you know, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was around 26 or 27. It was the early 2000s. Um, I sort of felt like it was partly situational. I was in a very stressful relationship. And 
it just panic attacks. I didn't really know what they were, what was happening, but I had physical symptoms that were completely unmanageable and all the symptoms that go along with pretty severe anxiety. Looking back now that I've also been diagnosed with ADHD, I think some of that stemmed from untreated and undiagnosed ADHD, which they, they, they kind of run in the same circles, if you know what I mean. At any rate, I was put on medication that changed my life for the better. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be like a normal person. And I was on that medication up until I got pregnant with my son in 2000. I got pregnant with him in late 2006 and he was born in 2007. So as you also probably know, if you listen to my podcast, in 2006, my life completely fell apart. Um, my marriage ended very dramatically. I then got into a relationship way too quickly with someone whom I thought was fantastic. Turns out he wasn't. That also ended very dramatically. And I was pregnant with the that person's child, the boyfriend, not the ex-husband. And I ended up Having him on my my own, although I had I had met Jason during that time. And after my son was born, I also had high blood pressure. I have a history of chronic hypertension. And they, it was managed during my pregnancy. And then I had spontaneous rupture rupture of mem membranes almost four weeks early. They attribute that. They think they were suspicious that it was because of the blood pressure. I go in and I have him. He was a C-section delivery because he was in the breech position. He was good to go. He was a, a little bit early, um, but still healthy. I, on the other hand, got something that isn't all that com common, and it's called postpartum preeclampsia, and where um, my blood pressure actually got worse after delivery, which it's usually the reverse. You People who struggle with preeclampsia during pregnancy, it usually resolves itself within about 48 hours after you deliver. This was not the case for me. It got worse. And I was in the hospital for a week. My blood pressure was the highest it's ever been. <laughs> I was so out of it that I don't know what was going on. I had this brand new baby. I still was like in this really weird personal position <laughs> with my love life. Um, he was my first child and I was sick in the hospital. And my stepmother, who has since passed away, but she was a labor and delivery nurse, not at the hospital that I was at though. And I remember at one point, it was on like day four or five, I was in the hospital. My blood pressure still hadn't come down. And I, was, I had headaches. I had blurred vision. I was starting to have some of the symptoms that put you at a much higher risk for seizure or stroke. And I will never forget hearing her pull the doctor aside in the hallway, the door was not closed, and her ripping him a new asshole <laughs> about my medication and how I was a stroke risk and that they were going to have blood on their... I mean, she was just going off about my symptoms and how just, to, you know, they needed to fix it. They needed to fix the problem. And they did. My medication got changed. So thank you, Kathy, wherever you are. On the other side, um, who knows what have ended up happening.
With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But anyway, I was sent home a couple days later after my blood pressure stabilized enough. My mother was home with me to help me take care of this brand new baby. I had never done before. And after a couple of days, I was convinced. And it was, looking back, it was paranoia. I would lay in bed with him, with my newborn son, on my chest, just clutching him, my hands around his back and on the back of his head. If I put him down, someone would come and steal him from me. And I do attribute that to the situation that I was in. I was at the time estranged from his biological father. Um, it was unknown what was going to happen with that family, although they had been the family had been nothing but kind and generous to me. I was convinced that he was going to be taken from me. And if I told anyone that they would definitely <laughs> take him away because they would see me as unfit. And I couldn't trust anyone. I felt like, well, I can't tell Jason. I can't tell my mom. I can't tell my sister. I can't tell my best friends. Like, I can't tell anyone. Like, I have to keep this to myself. I have to keep this baby with me at all times. He cannot be away from me. So I remember one day I took a nap. I mean, I couldn't have been more than like two or three days postpartum. I had fallen asleep and I woke up and there was one of those little bassinets next to the bed and I went to reach for him and he was gone. And I lost my mind. And I remember I either didn't have a shirt on or had like a button up that was unbuttoned from nursing and I'm like racing through the house crying and my mom is downstairs holding him and he's sleeping. She had taken him so I could sleep. And I took him from her and I was crying. And I I, I need to pause for a second. Okay, need to have a, a quick little cry there. I, I just remember the look on her face when my mom's face when I was telling her, they're, I just sort of started blurting it out like they're going to take him, like they're they're going to come and they're going to take him. And I was sort of whispering it like, you can't say it too loud or else they're, they're going to hear. And I don't remember if I was paranoid thinking that there were listening devices. I, I don't think I had gone that far 
down into the darkness. But I do remember there's been a couple of instances in my life where I remember this particular look on my mother's face. Once when I was very deep in my eating disorder and she hadn't seen me for many months and she looked me up and down with like a look of complete shock at how thin I had become. And then this time when she's looking at me like, who are you? Like, where did my daughter go? You're not okay. And it wasn't at all a look of disdain. It was a look of intense worry. And at that moment, I was like, nope, not going to say anything. <laughs> this, is all, this is all mine to manage. And the reason I tell that story is because when I hear about Lindsay's case and other cases like it, I wonder if they, feel, if they felt similarly that they felt like they couldn't trust really anyone because of the shame and stigma around mental illness like this and the worry that if someone finds out how far down I've gone, they're going to take my children away. Or maybe if you don't have children and it's not a matter of a, a postpartum illness, like they're going to commit me. I might lose my job. Something There's going to be some consequence that's going to be so dire that cost is not worth asking for help. Um, I don't know if that was going on with her. I, I, I can't imagine what was, what was happening for her. And I, I think that those might be a couple of reasons that many people, many postpartum women don't seek treatment and don't seek help. However, I know that, that Lindsay Clancy was, and that it sounds like her husband was very supportive of her, but I, I want to read you this quote from a woman named Melissa Ann Dubois. She is an OBGYN nurse and perinatal mental health advocate. And at this point, Lindsay has been arraigned. And here's what um, Melissa Ann Dubois says quote, The rhetoric coming from the prosecution and other people in authority hazardously distort the medical complexity of this disorder when they paint Lindsay as a monster who carried out an elaborate premeditated murder instead of someone suffering from a serious mental illness that wasn't properly treated and who subsequently had a psychotic break. It sends a message to all the struggling parents out there that nothing can help me. End quote. And then later in the article, she goes on to say, we consider perinatal mental health your problem that you caused or you weren't strong enough to deal with it. She also says that it will take a tremendously powerful cultural shift to provide postpartum families with the support they need, including in-home visits and immediate access to specialized perinatal mental health care. And she ends with saying, we are so far away from where we need to be. And it, this whole thing has just made me really think about women in particular and this particular expert also talks about in this article that she may have, Lindsay may have been experiencing mania or, or depression or psychosis. And a lot of times these things aren't as obvious as we think. I mean, I was able to mask and put on a decent normal face. And the only time I decided to take that mask off was with my own mother. And then I quickly decided that's not. It's not safe. And I think people assume that when someone is in that dark place, it's going to be very obvious. And a lot of times it's just not. 
And I also think for women, we are so used to reading a room and making sure that everyone is comfortable with the energy that we are putting out there. We become masters <laughs> when we are adults. And for many people, depending on your upbringing, it's a lot younger where we become masters. And I also want to just point out, like, as a very, very important side note, Lindsay Clancy is an attractive white woman that comes from, I believe, the suburbs of Massachusetts. And I think we can all say that she would be treated even worse if she was poor or if she was a woman of color, if she was a, of some other marginalized community. So I just want to acknowledge that, that she is being treated poorly, especially by the prosecution in this case. And I'm sure, I'm sure there are many social media posts out there that are painting her as a monster, but it would be even more so if she were not a white woman. There's another person I want to quote from this particular article. It's from harvardstreet.org. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, there is a person named Jesse Colbert, who is the executive director of Massachusetts Postpartum Depression Fund. And, and she says, I'm assuming it's a woman, so I'm going to, um, I will just use the pronoun they. They say the case has confused common health challenges with the much more severe postpartum psychosis, which is a psychiatric emergency. Our worry is the confusion may create more fear and shame around symptoms that are so common and treatable. The shame is already so much of a challenge addressing this issue. So many more people will go without help, end quote. And I, I want to really emphasize that as well, that postpartum psychosis is not as common as our postpartum anxiety and depression. And, and even not postpartum, you know, psychosis in general is less common than depression and anxiety. But cases like these, which are rare, but often sensationalized, I can completely say, completely understand why this person is, is pointing that out, that it's just creating more shame and stigma when we need more understanding, we need more empathy and compassion, and we need more funding and research. And the last thing I want to say about the case is that allegedly, Patrick, Lindsay's husband, was not made aware that Lindsay was not to be left alone with her children. He had never been told that. My heart goes out to them and my heart breaks for the moment she came out of her psychotic break and either was told or realized what she had done. Because I don't know if there's any other many other places um, to be in that compared to that hell that she's in. So I want to just leave you with the obvious. If you are feeling any of this way, please reach out to someone that you trust, whether it's a doctor, a partner, a friend, anyone, as well as Maybe just take some time to think about just how much more empathy and compassion we as a collective culture uh, need in order to protect all people, not just 
postpartum mothers, but all people who struggle with mental illness, mental health challenges, regardless of where they are in the spectrum. I agree with the person that said, we have a long way to go. We have a very, very long way to go. We've, we've come far over the last few decades, but we still have a long way to go. Be well. My friends, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. And sometimes these podcast episodes don't exactly end on a super high note. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.